You hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. So what will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness? Or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions, by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available wherever you find quality Christian books. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Is cultural pressure guiding the leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Jenna Reese, who's an LDS blogger, she has the piece titled Flunking Sainthood, had an article on the Religion News Service that was that was posted on January 18th, 2022. It was titled, The Top 10 Changes President Russell M. Nelson Has Made in the LDS Church. And she actually does a little bit of repenting, you might say, because she didn't have high hopes for Nelson to make a lot of changes. And she's been, as she says, pleasantly surprised to see some of the things that he has done since becoming president in 2018. Now, as we mentioned in yesterday's show, Jana Reese politically leans to the left. There's no doubt about that. She doesn't really even hide it. And it's interesting to us that a lot of the things that she seems to like about Russell Nelson seem to fall into the pattern that a person who is more liberal politically would probably like. What do you think many of the -the dyed-in-the-wool Latter-day Saints out there who have believed for years and years and years, would they come up with the same list of 10? who are conservative, and I would say this is a political list that many Latter-day Saints would heartily disagree with. I I think you're right about that. We talked about point number one yesterday, and that was the policy change, allowing children of homosexual couples to be baptized in the church. In 2015, they said, no, if you're still underage, you're under the age of 18, and you're living in a household that's headed by a same-sex couple, that you cannot get baptized and so forth. They reversed this in 2019, and as we mentioned yesterday, our problem with that is they can really do what they want, but Nelson said that the policy of 2015, the one that was reversed, actually was revealed to them by God. And then all of a sudden now, we just change it. God had a change of mind about three and a half years later. That sounds very uh, curious to us, but I can understand why Jana Reese would like that change. Point number two on her list is giving women a more active role in ritual life. Now, we know that the LDS Church has been a patriarchal church ever since its beginning. They don't have women priests. All their leaders are all male and such. They've always said that's the way God wants it. But see, this is again where I think Jana Reese tends to expose her liberalism, and I think she also feels that it's perfectly okay that liberal ideas should push the church in a certain direction. My question for her would be, wait, don't you really believe that God is directing this church? If God is directing this church, 
then why would you have had a problem with the way it was before 2019? You should have just accepted that that was the mind and will of God. But because it's now changing more to your political leanings, you're really happy about that. And that's why I asked the question at the beginning of this show, is culture really dictating some of the things that the LDS leadership is doing today? Bill, I want to stop here for a second and ask the question, should Christian churches be dictated in, uh, in their doctrines and their views and their beliefs based on the culture? Absolutely not. And we've said that many times on this show. We should, as Christians, be dictated by the written Word of God. We believe that it is just as relevant for us today as when it was written. And why shouldn't it be? Because we're dealing with a God who knows all things. He knows the beginning to the end. And he has a a grand view of everything. We don't. And so when we implement what we think it should be, we run into problems. And this is why I think a lot of Christian churches are running into problems, because they're doing exactly what the LDS church is doing. They're allowing the culture to drive them in a certain direction. And you could say, Scripture be damned. Who cares what the Bible has to say, according to some of these professing Christians who are moving in this direction? In point number two, she says this, Uh, In 2019, the church changed its endowment ceremony to give more authority to women, taking out a promise that women would hearken to their husbands while men would hearken directly to God. Okay. Again, wouldn't this be a position that a lot of left-leaning women would probably enjoy? But yet, it seems to overlook the fact that the endowment ceremony itself was given directly from God to Joseph Smith. In fact, John Witzow, who was a Mormon apostle in his book, Evidences and Reconciliations, page 113, he makes this very clear. Joseph Smith received the temple endowment and its ritual as all else that he promulgated by revelation from God. Now, if the revelation given from God to Joseph Smith had the part in there how women should hearken to their husbands, And now the church has removed that. Was God really behind that removal of that word hearken? See, these are the questions that we're raising when it comes to this. But when it comes to changes made in the temple ceremony, and it's happened a number of times in the last years, including the major one in 1990, we don't hear anything about it in the news. They don't report on why they're doing that. All of a sudden, the changes are made. And there's not any description as to God revealing that as a change that was meant to be for the church today. So we, especially on the outside, but I even think insiders, people who have temple recommends, they would go into the temple and possibly not even know there were changes until they actually experienced it for themselves. I think some of the minor changes that we saw recently, I do, I do recall seeing some news announcements. But again, as you mentioned, Eric, the changes in 1990 were huge. The changes later on were kind of minuscule. I guess you could be a little safe to maybe put out a little press release on something like that. But you're right. We didn't see that in 1990. It caught a lot of members off guard. They go to the temple and all of a sudden there's a new script. And I'm sure that did shake up quite a few. Point number three she makes, moving toward a more diverse international leadership. One of Nelson's very first changes was to call two new apostles who were not white men from the U.S. or Europe. A first in LDS history, believe it or not. He has also expanded the international representation in the lower quorums of the 70. 
The church's leadership is still predominantly American and white, but some change is finally happening. Now here again is where I think Jana Reese kind of exposes where she's coming from. When she praises Nelson for calling two new apostles who were not white men from the U.S. or Europe, and that this was a first in LDS history, should she really be crediting Nelson for that? Because again, the church doesn't operate on the whims of man, or at least that's what they tell us. If you were to look in the church manual, Teachings of Presidents of the Church, George Albert Smith, now this one came out in 2011, George Albert Smith, of course, being a president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, here's what it says in bold print on page 58. Those who preside over the church are prepared, chosen, and inspired by the Lord. Now, if Nelson was a true prophet, and he really believed that, I would think he would be embarrassed by Reese crediting him for the decision to bring on those who were not white into the leadership of the church. Bill, the two apostles that she's referring to are Garrett Gong and Ulysses Soros. Now, I want to focus on Garrett Gong. He's Asian. He's of Asian descent, but he's an American. In fact, I'm looking at his biography. He was born in 1953 in Redwood City, California, raised in Palo Alto. His family's family lived in California and other parts of the United States after his ancestors emigrated from China in the late 19th century. Now, it's great that he's Asian, but he certainly is from the United States, opposite of what she just said. And, of course, we know that a lot of these men who are called to the Quorum of the Twelve, first and foremost, they have to be loyal to the church, obviously. But once you're put in that list. Once you become an apostle of the church, that's a lifelong position. In other words, now you're in line for the presidency. You're in the queue. We still find it a little bit odd, and I'm kind of curious as to why Jana Reese didn't mention this. Since 1978, those who were known as being of the seed of Cain or of African descent, black African descent, They were then allowed to hold the priesthood. That was way back in 1978. And though we have seen some black members being elevated to the second and even the first quorum of the 70, none of them have been elevated to the quorum of the 12, which puts them in line for possibly being the president down the road if he should outlive all of his colleagues. Point number four, she says, making improvements to the missionary program. Nelson has de-emphasized the old tough-it-out approach to mission life in which missionaries were only permitted to call home twice a year. Now they can engage in weekly video chats with their families, and the church is providing more mental health services for missionaries who experience anxiety or need to return early. As well, he initiated the shorter service mission for some young people who will continue to live with their families at home. Now this is an interesting point because Jana Reese, back in 2018, actually she posted it on September 26, 2018, she ran an article that she wrote showing that more Mormon missionaries are coming home early. She actually brought out a chart in that article showing that a third of millennial missionaries come home early. They were having a problem with missionaries staying out in the field. So when she commends Nelson for making it easier for missionaries, and in some cases to not even go on a foreign field, but stay home, I look at that as it was done more out of pragmatism. 
they were losing missionaries. And maybe this tough-it-out approach that they had had for, throughout its history, they realized it's not working with this generation. This generation, rather than toughing it out, they're going to come home. And that's not something that you want to do as a young person. You do not want to come home early from your mission because I think she even admitted in that article that those members are looked down upon as being a failure in the eyes of the church because they did not fulfill their calling. Then she also mentions as point number five, balancing the youth program. At the start of 2020, the church ended its century-long official relationship with the Boy Scouts. It also overhauled its own youth program worldwide and began giving girls an equal budget in every unit around the world. This has had two immediate benefits. For starters, girls don't have to feel like afterthoughts because their budget is no longer merely a fraction of what's allowed for the boys. And second, the boys' program is more standard everywhere in the world, unlike the old days when nations that had access to Boy Scout troops and camps had amazing programs and boys in poorer nations did not. Now, we don't really have a lot of time to go into the detail behind their breaking off with the Boy Scouts, but I think it's something that we should go into more detail, and we're going to do that in tomorrow's show as we continue looking at this article that was written by a Latter-day Saint named Jana Reese titled The Top Ten Changes President Russell M. Nelson Has Made in the LDS Church. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism.